Hannah Dunleavy's Outside the Box. Hi, and welcome to October's Outside the Box. It's been a while since I've done one of these. And also, there's been like a huge amount of television come out in the last couple of weeks. Like, obscene amount of television. I've tried very hard to watch something of all of it. So we can maybe talk about something that you've seen. I'm joined, as always, by Mick. Hi. And Jen. Hello. Who have also been trying very hard to watch some television. Okay, so where should we start? Let's pick a channel. Should we start with BBC? Let's sure. start with BBC. What's, okay. auntie, what's auntie been offering? There's a couple of things that I have to say now that I should have watched and I haven't. I just haven't had the time. You're partly a lazy because, bitch. Because I've been, yeah. Yeah, that too. <laughs> she just doesn't work hard enough, does Not she? Not at all. I've had an idea, oh God. <laughs> partly because I kind of thought that they might go well in watching all of them together. And the truth is I haven't had uh, like a four hour bunch to sit down and watch television. Black Earth Rising, which is Michaela Cole and John Goodman. So like seriously, oh, way up my alley as it were um (laughs) i have not yet watched apologies part of the reason i haven't watched this as much as i love john goodman and i love michaela cole it's written by hugo blick which i'm slightly agnostic about i think a lot of his other stuff particularly the shadow line was incredibly overrated but i'm thinking having those two in it will pull it out of the overrated category into the actually you know rated rated. (laughs) is that underrated Uh, yeah just rated yeah also killing eve which I've heard so much buzz about, I haven't watched. And again, it's another reason for this. It's because it all went on to the iPlayer. In oh, one did they do a Netflix Is it BBC release? Three? It's on BBC Three, yeah. and it was all released in one go, which actually, to be honest, makes me less likely to watch mm. something immediately, strangely. That is Jodie Comer and Sandra Oh. It's written by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I will binge on it at some point, but I have heard really good reports of it. I... I've watched one uh, episode. Have you? I have mm. to say, I have to be like slightly honest here and say I wasn't as overwhelmed by Fleabag as other people were. I'm quite prepared to accept that the problem with that is probably me, rather than it wasn't well written. People that I saw who were very enthusiastic about Fleabag, it wasn't so much the way it was written, the way it was acted, or anything. It was what it was about, and they felt like something in Fleabag spoke to them personally. Fleabag didn't speak to me personally, so I could, couldn't be as enthusiastic as perhaps other people were. That said, I'm not going to let that put me off Killing Eve, and I will watch that at some point. What did you think, Jen? Um, I am one of the people who loved, loved, loved Fleabag, as you know, and yeah, I would agree with what you said. Bits of it definitely spoke to me. Killing Eve, I've only watched one episode of it. Um, I did not get the, like woo 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 thing that everyone on Twitter seemed to get I don't know I mean it may be like if I watch another episode maybe I'll kind of like get into it a bit more but it didn't grab me in the same way that Fleabag did to be honest okay moving on Trust which is a I think eight part series about the Gettys it's kind of Swimming around in the same area as All the Money in the World the film was obviously it's about John Paul Getty who was played by Kevin Spacey and then Christopher Plummer. In this, it's played by Donald Sutherland. You can't really go wrong with Donald Sutherland. The pilot was directed by Danny Boyle. It's also got Hilary Swank in it. It's got Rob Brydon as Nixon, which... Oh, I want to see that. <laughs> exactly. I watched one episode. I have to say, it didn't especially grab me. I don't generally use hearsay in reviews, but 
Lisa Holdsworth, who we interviewed, she is uh, from the Writers Guild, was absolutely raving about the quality of writing on it. And if she's saying that, then I actually would say that the quality of writing must be great. I probably will go back to this. It's also got Anna Chancellor, who's always good value for money. But like I say, I have only watched one episode of that, so I can't really give you a full opinion. The one thing I have watched all of is Mystery Road, which is an Australian series, which is currently on BBC Four, or it's up on the iPlayer. I've managed to see all of it in preview. It's based on an Australian film that was an absolute roaring success. Then it was they had a follow-up film, what's the word, sequel, a sequel, and then they decided to make it into a television programme. stars... Aaron, Aaron or Aaron, I don't know, let's go with Aaron. Aaron Peterson, and in this series, he's joined by Judy Davis, who is quite the character actress in Australia. And they are... Is she the Margot Martindale in <laughs> Australia? Possibly. Yeah, she's been nominated for a couple of Oscars in her time. They are police officers up in really North Queensland, some proper unforgiving terrain up there, who are investigating the disappearance of a couple of boys. I think it's all right, actually. I'll, it was strange to me that I then got of all the things that were on this was the thing I sort of got sucked into that said it's probably the closest thing to a western you get that's not actually a western it's some brooding guy walking around with a cowboy hat on I mean I'm all in so that was quite good where I'm going to stop and actually talk about something is I'd like to on BBC I'd like to talk about Upstart Crow hooray Jen, have you watched Upstart Crow? I have never seen it. <laughs> okay. Upstart Crow is really interesting to me. It's just ended its third series with an absolute punch in the tits episode that's worthy of... Punch in the Boobingtons. Yeah. <laughs> Which is absolutely worthy of being talked about in the same breath as the end of The Last Blackadder, I think. Wow. It, wow. Yeah. That's big. It's big talk, Hannah. Yeah. Upstart Crow is much maligned and... I genuinely wanted to say something to defend it because I actually think it's getting better and better. It seems to have divided in the way that certain things do, as in most critics seem to actually like it. Whereas if you go on Twitter on a Thursday night or whenever it's on, I don't know, I only ever watch things on the iPlayer, you get loads of people going, oh, I can't believe this shit is on. I can't believe this is still on. And I think that's a real massive misunderstanding. I think David Mitchell is probably even better than Peep Show for David Mitchell, the best thing David Mitchell has ever done. He plays William Shakespeare, just to be clear, if nobody's watched this. I fucking love it. <laughs> it's brilliant, isn't it's it? It's amazing. It's genuinely very funny. I think part of the thing about it is it's written by Ben Elton, and Ben Elton is no longer cold to, to, to an extent. And I think part of the criticism is it is because it is an old-fashioned sitcom in the degree that people are like, oh, God, it's got canned laughter. And just to be clear, canned laughter is not a thing that exists. It is recorded in front of a live studio audience. That is where the laughter is coming from. Which you can tell sometimes as well. Rob Rouse will quite often get halfway through a line, the laugh happens, and he goes back, which yeah. when you just see a normal set-up sitcom, yeah. everyone delivers everything with such a high amount of being articulate, which we can confirm does not happen naturally. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's until you see someone genuinely smiling and it's their real smile rather than the smile of their character that you realise what acting smiling looks like. And periodically in this, you do see genuine, like genuine smiling and you know that is being recorded in front of our live studio. What about smizing? Yeah, what's that? Smiling Smith, with your eyes. Yeah. yeah. It's got a great cast. Like I said, Helen Monks is in it. Jimmy Whelan is terrific in it. Rob Rouse, Mark Heap. He's heaping it to the max. He is. <laughs> Harry Enfield, Lisa Tarbuck. These are all really well-established comedy actors doing a really terrific job. And I think what's important about it is I learned 
about comedy when I was growing up from Blackadder. Same. Mm. And I think that Upstart Crow bridges the divide between childhood and adulthood for comedy. My nephew loves it. He's 12. And that's what you need. Something that's not designed for you, but isn't too outrageous for you and treats you a bit like a grown-up. And I think that it's... Yeah, I think it's wonderful. I think Upstart Crow deserves many, many rounds of applause. I think also with Shakespeare being such a well-known character and historical figure, the jokes play on some of the plays, but also on just some of the history around Shakespeare. And we all know it. And the other fun fact is because Shakespeare doesn't have an estate to answer to, Ben Alton can just go absolutely crackers. Yeah. Now, just because I wrote 126 love poems to an attractive man doesn't yeah. mean that I'm some sort of yeah. tugger-hugger. It's been a <laughs> hugger-tugger. Hugger-tugger. It has been, I would say, much more political in the third series. It's talked about Me Too. It's talked about feminism. All in, a, in an entertaining fashion. And it also does, and has right from the start, really taken aim at the kind of comedy that thinks it's better than other comedy, which... Um, I complained, didn't I? I said, oh, I'm just, I like, I really like it. Hannah had recommended it to me. We're both massive Blackadder fans. And so I was like, okay, but I'd seen it had been quite maligned. I gave it a go and from the first episode, fell in love with it, thought it was brilliant and very Blackadder-esque. But I was like, I just struggle with Spencer Jones as Kemp. I said, I just feel like he's doing an impression of Ricky Gervais. And Hannah was like... Yeah, he is doing an impression of Ricky Gervais. It's a deliberate impression of Ricky Gervais because they decided that Kemp, the character he plays, who is a real person, was an actor who was considered to be ahead of his time, but also considered himself to be ahead of his time. And they thought, who could we play that like? And Ben Elton and Spencer Jones got together and decided that was Ricky Gervais. So, um, yeah. Comedia dell'arte. It's Italian, isn't it? Spare. <laughs> 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 Yeah, it makes me laugh a lot. So um, let's go over to ITV, where the only thing I have to say is that I watched one episode of something called Strangers, which had John Sim and Amelia Fox in, and I just wasn't feeling it. And to be honest, when there's this much good TV on, you've got out of your game if you want a review off me. In fact, I spent most of... That'll learn you, ITV. I spent most of the time watching it, watching um, John Sim and thinking, do you remember the lakes? Do you remember the lakes? I do, yeah. I thought you'd be too young for the lakes. No, I remember. I, I don't remember anything about watching it, but I definitely remember it being on the telly and it being a huge thing. I was great. I him in EastEnders more than the lakes, though. Oh, the, but the lakes was a proper big deal. It was Jimmy Gu- McGovern, oh. and it was about basically how really boring life is when you live somewhere that there's not much to do when you're a young person. And all you do is take drugs and have sex and, and well, well, talk I about grew- TV that speaks to you. I mean, I grew even. up in Glossop. I wouldn't know about any of that. There we go. And just maybe think, maybe someone, BBC Four, please put the lakes on again. I'd be interested to see how that has aged. Over on Channel 4, something has launched called The Circle. Everybody's talking about it. I don't know what the fuck it it's is. It's a social media thing. Oh, I have no idea. horrific. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I've I've been told about it, but it does sound like everything bad about society basically <laughs> like here it is on the telly imagine if big brother had got really shit oh hang on <laughs> and then got shitter and they gone i've got a great idea for a new show and then taken a really dark social media vibe yeah and, yeah people just want it's that episode of black mirror 
where she gets by on likes and yeah. people having to love you on social media and give you good ratings. That's it, isn't it? That's the premise of this yeah. programme, I think, yeah. Oh, God, I'm glad I haven't yeah. watched that then. Yeah. OK, what we do want to talk about on Channel 4 is No Offence, which is back. Yay. And unfortunately, I say unfortunately, this quite often happens with me, I'm a Sky customer. Sky customers were able to watch the whole series of No Offence before it, it was on Channel 4. So therefore I have seen it all and therefore I don't know how far other people are in it so I'm going to have to be careful. I think we're up to episode 4 on the telly box but I've only seen up to episode 3 as we record this. Okay, so and we I'm might be fine by the time you. it comes out. Okay, yeah. well let's talk about what happened early. Spoilers. Made me cry. Yeah, one of its major characters was taken out which was very unexpected in the the first episode. Alexandra Roach, I think she was actually probably one of the best things in it, so I'll be sad to see her go. Bye, Joy. Tip of the hat to you. Yeah. I like No Offence, but I don't like it quite as much as everybody else seems to. I don't know what it is about it that it doesn't. Mickey is a much bigger No Offence fan than I am, so, Mickey, tell us what you're making in this series. I think... Joy going kind of tipped a little bit of a balance for me because I really liked the trio of women being at the heart of something. But oh, but then, what's he called? Paul Ritter. Yeah, Paul Ritter is brilliant. Paul Ritter. Oh, I love him. I love him in ways that I shouldn't, given that his character... Um, is it Miller? Randolph Miller? Yeah. Is, he's, he's quite naughty and he's a bit skeezy, but he's, he's very good. It's funny. I think it's quite raw. I think the characters all have big heart, even though I do agree with Hannah that sometimes they don't need to say that as well as to have it. Mm-hmm. And it's Paul Abbott, and he's taken up a lot more of the writing than he did in series two, and I think his writing always shines for me. But there are just women doing stuff that women don't usually get to do on television. Joanna Scanlon as D.I. Viv Deering is just incredible. She's a tour de force. But you find her a bit much... I mean, I love, don't get me wrong, I love Joanna Scanlon and I think she's doing a really great job in this. I just sometimes think that it's a little, no offence, is a little bit too much. Show it, like, don't say it. I think there is an element of, there are some weeks when all Viv Deering does is talk in a variety of catchphrases and pull yourself up by your socks stuff. As I pointed out, I am from Manchester and we do talk like that. Okay, that's Uh, fair enough. But yes, I do like it and it's not, I think it's just that I came to No Offence quite late and everybody had spoken about it really passionately and I was expecting something slightly different. I still think it's tremendous, but she's no Catherine Kaywood, if you ask me. Can you you give me a face, so as not to spoil it for listeners, a face for for the finale? Oh. Let's move on to Sky. There's just fucking loads of stuff on the telly. I'm going to start with The Discovery of Witches, which stars some people that I've heard of, but I haven't written their names down <laughs> because I've been very busy. The Discovery of Witches genuinely made me laugh, but I think the important thing to point out is it's not a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> it's about witches in Oxford. It involves people going into libraries and saying stuff out loud that they have no cause to say out loud, like, where did I put that book? (laughs) 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 Nikki did a proper spit take. Tea situation. (laughs) Oh, my eyes are full of tea. I only watched the first episode. What I will say is I saw at the end of the first episode in the trailer that in the second episode, 
Greg McHugh was turning up. I am a big fan of Greg McHugh. Uh, he's in Fresh Meat. He was in Marvellous with Toby Jones. He is in the A Word, or was in the A Word when it was on. I think it's terrific. I would hope that Greg McHugh was able to get a handle on this and pull this into something slightly more shapely than what it was, which was people going, oh, was that a noise I heard? <laughs> which is not great television. Speaking of not great television, also absolutely worth its weight in the lol's gold is 911, a series about first responders brought to you by the people who bought you American Horror and the people versus O.J. Simpson, both of which are incredibly over the top. Yeah. Really. And this is the most over the top thing. The cast is terrific. Jules. Who's in this? Peter Krause, Angela Bassett, Her Majesty, Lady Connie Britton. Just so many terrific actors. I don't know why they got involved in this because it is terrible. It's so incredibly overblown that I watched four episodes because I just couldn't take my eyes off this stuff. If you're looking for a bit of TV that's crap, if you like watching crap, I haven't had this much fun hate watching something since the second series of The Walking Dead when they all just sat on that farm and made stupid decisions and thought about who was going to do the washing up. Why these people aren't being offered better roles, I don't know. Anyway, there's a plane crash in the fourth episode and it's not even the main story in it <laughs> there's a plane crash and then they go oh, okay over to this thing it's just a shitload of rubbish fun if you're interested what I do want to talk about on Sky because it's absolutely tremendous is The Deuce mm. which is back it's quite soon to be back for us because well, the first series we didn't get for about six months after it aired we are getting this one the night after it airs so it's on on a Tuesday night. You get it the night after. The action has moved on to 1977, which means that some of the people in it have the worst haircuts I have ever seen <laughs> on television. Great year for me. Bad year for It all seems this. to me the better looking that you are in it, the worse the haircut they've given oh, you. Oh, dear. It, the, it, the one Abby has is oh, beyond no. words awful. The New York porn scene is in full swing in 1977. Gillen Hall's uh, hair's all right. Yeah, she's just terrific she just looks amazing mm. the thing with the deuce is because it's historical and because if you know anything about this the sort of that time period that time frame you know that that they are making hay while sun shines because there are a number of things that are coming yeah. for them to shut them down the first is the cleanup of new york which obviously desperately needed to happen when you consider the state that new york is in and the second one that's coming at this point is second wave feminism now the weird thing is that's the thing they've chosen to focus on. And I say weird because I think it's fucking fantastic that's what they've chosen to focus on. But it's weird because that's not necessarily what you ex would expect people who've traditionally made stuff about men to be focusing on. And second wave feminism has arrived pretty hard in New York in The Deuce, which I have to applaud. What I would suggest is if it's been a while since you watched the first series, it might be worth watching some form of catch-up or reacquainting yourself in it because there's a couple of things that happen that are actually incredibly powerful but if it's been a while since you've seen them you might not think oh that's who that is there's a couple of scenes that really are quite electric but if it takes you a while to work out who the person is that's in the scene it doesn't necessarily work for you yeah that is actually exactly what happened to me yeah maggie gillenhall oh she's just magnificent she's given some incredible stuff to do it really is asking the question about respect about sexual harassment about whether or not using your body to get yourself forward is is, is a good it's really interesting the relationship between her and david Crumholtz, or the character played by david Crumholtz, harvey in this i think they have long had quite an interesting 
relationship may they stay apart and unromantic for as long as possible because that, they have an interesting relationship because I think he is possibly the only man in her life that actually respects her but there's another thing that's worth pointing out David Crumholtz has in the past had thyroid cancer and he has some problems with his thyroid in the first series he is absolutely fucking huge in the first oh, yeah, series I wondered about in that. the second series obviously he's got his thyroid issues under control he's to such a degree that he's almost unrecognisable so they mm. actually have to comment on it and say that he has a wife in it who says now come on you did all that good work on a diet because I think that he's actually almost unrecognisable in it I had been thinking when I was watching a lot of stuff on Netflix earlier this year that I thought that Netflix might actually have nabbed the crown off HBO for who makes the best television at the oh, moment oh, big talk again Dunleavy mm. I think that David Simon is making sure that doesn't happen because th- I don't think there's anything like this on television. The cast is great. There's cast from The Wire. There's cast from The Sopranos. There's cast from Orange is the New Black. There is a young Gandolfini. James Gandolfini's son is oh. in this and it's nice to see that, that that family tradition carrying on. I think it's really funny. I think it's beautifully shot. I think it's got totally something about history. And on top of all of that... There is another sword of Damocles hanging over those people. Yeah. There are intravenous drug users in this. There are people who work in the sex trade and there are people who are gay. And Mm. the pressure of that now watching it and knowing what that is coming for them is incredibly interesting television. I think think the third series of this has potential to be better than anything they made in The Wire. I think when we, talked, when we talked about the first series, I don't think I'd watched it yet. Um, and then I did go and watch it. And we've talked about it between us, but possibly not on Outside the Box. And I think that... So I watched The Wire. Obviously, I've watched all of The Wire, but I'd say it took a little while to get into. I've watched all of Treme, and by the end of it, I still didn't know if I gave a shit about it, to be honest. But <laughs> this is the first one of his uh, his series that I've watched where I was just like, instantly, no, I'm interested. I want to yeah. know. I care about these characters. I want to know what happens to them. Totally, just immediately sucked into it. I, yeah, I think it's really, really good. I don't know if I'm enjoying this one as much as the first series, if I'm honest, but it's still brilliant. Yeah. Catch up, Mick. I've yet to get involved. Is the James Franco twin thing working? The haircuts. Yeah, I mean, at least yeah. Frankie's still got his, like, 50s haircut. Yeah. I mean, James Franco, like, the good the good James the good Franco. The good twin. The good twin. His haircuts. Him like, and Abby have got, like, matching nause- haircuts. Nauseatingly <laughs> awful. Hello, Jen here. Sorry to interrupt your uh, podcasting joy time. <laughs> Okay, I'm in a worry. This isn't scripted. Can you believe it? <laughs> if you'd like to see us as well as hear us, and I'm quite sure you do, why don't you get yourself along to one of our gig casts? We've got some absolute bangers coming up, including on October the 28th, June Sarpong, Lisa Riley and Stacey Solomon. On November the 20th, we don't think we hear enough from men in the world, so we've invited a few along to help celebrate International Men's Day. And those men are Richard Herring, Colin Jackson and David Morrissey. And then for our final London gig of the year, we've got a fantastic lineup of Lolly Adafopi, Felicity Ward and Laura Bates. And that's on December the 16th. So get yourself over to our page on Sarah's website, which is www.sarahmillican.co.uk forward slash standard hyphen issue. You can find out all about what we've got coming up in our gigs and how you can get tickets. 
So, last thing to talk about is Netflix. Again, loads of stuff coming up or just dropped, etc., etc. There is a new series. I think it's called Inside the Mind of the Psychopath. I watched one episode of that, and it had the most gratuitous reconstructions of crime that I've ever seen. So that can fuck right off. On another note, of course, reconstructions of crimes, but probably not gratuitous, coming up, and it's possibly out by the time you hear this, there is a Netflix film. It's made by Paul Greengrass. And it covers the events of July the 22nd in Norway. It is called July the 22nd. And it's about when Brevik Mm. went, well, did what he did. Now, I would say that in a lot of ways, I would think, oh, you know, is that is that something that we want to be watching on television? Bearing in mind that that people can be really gratuitous. The thing that makes me think that this will be excellent is that it's Paul Greengrass Mm. and he has a record for doing stuff like that. United, what's that flight called? United 91? Yeah, United 91 is a terrific film. Captain Phillips is a terrific film. He does that sort of stuff. Reconstructions of real events really, really well. So I think July 22nd will be something to watch. There is something called Maniac, which I haven't had a chance to watch yet, but Mick has. I have, and it's It's very entertaining. It's got Jonah Hill and uh, Emma Stone. I find Emma Stone eminently watchable in anything. She's great. And it's directed by... Is it Carrie Joji Fukunaga? The guy who did uh, True Detective first series. The first series of True Detective. And it's it's as bonkers as that might suggest. It got a lot of hyperbole. I always want to say hyperbole just because it's fun. got a lot of hyperbole on Twitter, etc. as being, and in reviews as being, like, incredible. I wouldn't go so far as to say that, but I watched it and enjoyed it and didn't feel like I'd wasted my time. So if there's something you want to chucking your eyeballs for six episodes then it was worth a watch and finally the last thing to talk about today which is Netflix is the fifth series of Bojack Horseman which has Yay. been up long enough I, I think for any of us to talk about it without with spoilers so if you don't want to hear spoilers maybe stop listening now I don't know if it's too soon because I don't know how many people actually watch Bojack Horseman some people have been kind enough to say that they've sent me messages to say that they have started watching it since I talked about it last time and they loved it so great what to say about the fifth series it's I don't think it's fair to say you know one series is better than another series because you know the fifth series of The Wire is not as good as the fourth series of The Wire but that doesn't make it a bad series of television it just means it's not as good and that is exactly what has happened here, uh, the fourth series was quite incredible. This is a good series of TV. I think they, they try something different with this. They're trying to to um, actually deal with an issue that's happening in the world as it's happening. And I think that they should be applauded for talking about Me Too, for talking about how, basically, we are now looking at a lot of flawed men that exist and wondering whether or not we appreciate their art and it's caused them to look at themselves and realise that they have created a character who is a very flawed man and they're wondering themselves whether or not they have created an anti-hero that is respected when he shouldn't be respected. Which feels a bit meta but actually is handled really, really well. It's got loads of stuff to recommend it. One of its darkest episodes also is one of its funniest. It's the introduction of a character called Henry Fondler. (laughs) I can't even explain to you what Henry Fondler is but if I did, it would sound like I was making it up. It is genuinely hilarious. It has an incredibly funny Grapes of Wrath style ending which, again, is great. Princess Carolyn continues to be one of the most interesting women on television. I have nothing bad to say about Bojack Horseman. Mick? Agreed. Season 
seasons three and four were phenomenal, particularly season four, because I felt like they took more risks with the way they used the animation. They broke down the animation to represent someone with dementia, and it was incredibly moving as well as very, very clever. And there was that beautiful episode in season three, I think, where there were hardly any words at all because it's all underwater. And they're not pushing those boundaries as much, but I absolutely, like you, applaud what they're doing in tackling something that is still happening and people still aren't sure about how they should or can or will feel about these flawed men who were they acting because of their time can we retrospectively tell you your shit and Bojack is incredibly watchable and him struggling with his own identity and what he's created and the women around him struggling with how they have paid into that is fascinating and yet it's still so funny with those wonderful touches of the anthropomorphism of the mm. different animals yeah I thought it was great I've seen and, um, and I'm not suggesting by any stretch of the imagination that they that people have watched Bojack Horseman and are copying it I think what's happened is Bojack Horseman has hit upon a truism I've seen a lot of people talking about the Kavanagh case and saying now that forever Dr Ford will have her name associated with his name yeah and that is something that Bojack Horseman discusses in some depth in this. And beautifully, I yeah. think, with a lightness of touch that yeah. belies how dark and heavy the subject is. Yeah. So, before we end, anybody seen anything that I haven't mentioned? Yes, I have been watching Wanderlust on BBC One. I think it's probably quite near the end now, so it may even be ending this week by the time you've heard this, but I'm sure you can watch it all on iPlayer. It is Tony Collette and your man from Luther who's the bad guy in series one his like partner what is he called Hannah? oh um Stephen McIntosh yes him uh and they are basically like a couple who've been together forever and they're not sure and they're having some problems in their relationship and they decide they're going to have an open relationship to try and solve those problems but it's all a bit more nuanced and convoluted than that and the one thing I will say is that so she plays Tony Collette plays a therapist in it and as you know all therapists bonkers themselves and she i think i think you actually have to see a therapist if you're a therapist don't you i think that's part of the deal certainly in the sopranos that's how it goes so i'm gonna say yes (laughs) so she has to see well or well she's seeing a therapist in it who's played by sophie okonedo and those scenes of the two therapists talking like i think the last episode i watched was basically just them talking the whole way through and it is incredible like absolutely fucking incredible they both as someone who has been who has seen a therapist like both of them like it was almost uncomfortable to watch it was so like absolutely bang on and i would recommend you all have a squiz if you want to talk to me about any television that you've seen please get in touch on twitter where i am at that Dunleavy. i will try and respond to you but we haven't had time for a question of the month and i will think of one uh, for next month and i'll put it up on twitter thanks very much for listening Standard issue for all women.